This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. Okay, we want to welcome our online listeners this morning. I also want to welcome our new uh, listeners in Africa. There were three that have joined our podcast from Africa, so that was really encouraging. So as you guys are listening to this message this morning, please understand that this message is following a baby dedication that we just conducted a few minutes ago. Today's message is entitled, uh, King David, the Making of a Father. So many put an emphasis on the study of David when it comes to King. But today I'm going to put an emphasis on the role of a father. Now, some of you are probably familiar with Samuel. He was, we literally read the scripture several times this morning that Samuel was dedicated to the Lord as an infant. He was raised up in an environment that was a bit challenging. He obviously became the first high priest of the Lord's work. Very significant role to be in first, particularly when it comes to the role of high priest, thus representing the literal role of Jesus Christ, being the firstborn of God, being the very first high priest of God himself. Something went wrong with Samuel. Could someone please throw out a few issues that they have read about Samuel's boys. Took bribes. Not only didn't follow the rules of priesthood, they mocked the rules. So whether they were eating what was to be sacrificed first or whether they were getting the firstborn women and doing some stuff with them they shouldn't have been doing, whatever the case was, these young men had very troubled lives and we have to ask ourselves the question, Why? Did Samuel understand what it meant? He certainly understood what it meant to be a priest. He certainly understood what it meant to be a high priest. But did he understand what it meant to be a father? You can have all the laws down. You can be reading the scriptures. You can go and get a few degrees on on studying the scriptures. But if you're not a good father, a healthy father, a biblical father, your children will rise up and mock They were literally mock the face of God. So we need to talk about what it really means to be made a father. Here's our theme for today, folks. A father is a directional light for his offspring. Those who are spiritually lazy turn the light out. And those that are commanded by God to follow this leader literally have to walk in Darkness. You look at a child and you see certain children tripping up a lot. And you have to ask the question, why do they trip up so much? Well, see, if the light is not lighting the pathway, then you're going to trip up. See, all Satan has to do is just throw stuff in the pathway, and if the pathway is not lit up, then the people who are on that pathway are going to trip and fall and trip and fall. 
So what we have here today is a world that is filled with hundreds and thousands of people who are tripping and following as they're trying to walk after the Lord. Well, we can't put all the pressure and responsibility on those who are tripping and falling. We have to actually take a look at these fathers. Most fathers are very lazy. You know those flashlights where you can open the beam and it's kind of a broad stroke of light and you can close the beam in and it's almost like, you know, a laser. The broad beam is how a lot of Christian fathers raise their children. Well, I'm providing light and if my kids pay attention, they won't trip so much. So they're constantly disciplining their children because of their own flaws. A laser light father is someone who is so focused on that pathway that they want to make sure the child sees every single step that they need to make. That is zeroing in on that pathway. It's not a broad light which is I need to be successful, I need to do my thing, I need to do my ministry. Go talk to Samuel and see how that works. It needs to be focused. And David was far more focused, probably not as much as he could. Of course, I haven't met a perfect father yet. But far more than what Samuel was. He did get the title even by God as a father figure. Hebrew. I'm going to pick on some of my Hebrew students here today. Hebrew for patriarch. Pictorial Hebrew to reveal the way By speaking strongly, he is the highest head. So, here we have Hebrew. And of course, do we read backwards or forwards, Jeremiah? We read backwards. Which is not really backwards. So, we have He, which is to behold. It's actually a picture of a man standing up with his arms stretched to the sky, praising God. Behold, you are God. It's to reveal. Behold. Then we have peh, which is the mouth, to speak it. So this is not a silent figure. This is, this is a loud shout to the patriarch, God himself. It's a very commanding, bold, loud statement when you say patriarch. You say patriarch in your prayers, I personally believe you're going to get the attention of God real fast. Then we have tet, which is snake, to surround. All the 13 names of Satan that are found, this Hebrew word picture is found in it. It's like someone standing and there's a snake that is coiled around that foot. That's the word picture of this Hebrew letter. So, Delet is the door or the pathway. And then Yud is that hand. Got the elbow, the hand stretched out. And then you have Aleph, And uh, Ian, what does Aleph mean? Ox, bull, 
And in the English it stands for what? Strength, leader. So now you have Resh, which also means the highest. You put all of this together and you have an absolute perfect view of a patriarch, which is to reveal the way by speaking strongly, and, and that is actually interpreted as loud, he is the highest head. He's looking at this pathway, he's revealing the pathway, and he's saying, Children, listen. And that commanding presence, all of a sudden the children are stopping play. Play is transition from childhood to adulthood. That's all play is. You play at the truck, it's to prepare you for driving a truck. You play with, with modeling play of building houses, it's to prepare you for building houses. Play is to prepare you for building the way. So what your children play with is significant. And a father's job is to command attention away from play to the path. It can be done several times a day or it can be done more than several times a day. But that's what is being uh, communicated to us right now. What is a father? So just throw out a few adjectives, idea, or ideas of what a father is. Protector. Provider. Prophet. Priest. Pastor. Leader. Dada. Daddy. God, Jesus himself, said these simple, intimate words to his father. And he said what? Abba, Dada, Father. Dada, Father, Abba, Father. Abba is Hebrew for Dada in the Latin. It's just an intimate expression of Dada. Then Father is an authoritative role that Jesus completely honored. So you need both of those. Dada, Father. And it is the father's responsibility to take the child from dada, play, to father, authority. That's your job. Okay, Jeremy, Allah, which is ox, strong, or first, what is a couple of the English words to describe ox? To strengthen... To be the head, to be large like the head of an ox. And then we have bet, which is house or family. So father is the strength and the leader of the house. But here's the classic of a biblical patriarch, which also means father. So when God is referred to as God the Father, it's the same Hebrew reference as God the Patriarch. The Great Patriarch. Same thing. So, here we have, He is the tip of the tribe or the power of a clan. One of the Hebrew pictures that are used when it comes to describing the activity of a father, and that is He is the tip of a spear. 
He's a protector. He will do whatever he has to do to protect uh, his family. Then we have must be a proven father or strength or leader of the house. And then we have this, this father is responsible for leading worship in the family. And then we have the firstborn son oftentimes succeeds or embraces the staff. Moses carried a stick, a very large stick. And that stick was symbolic of him carrying around God. All the power elements was from this stick. It wasn't from Moses. Moses didn't have anything more special than you have. He carried a big stick. And he walked after God. The stick or the staff has always been symbolic of Abba, Father. So when Moses was cornered into the, up against the Red Sea and, and God purposely put him up against the Red Sea, so Moses is going, what have you done? He's carrying this big stick. Well, God starts this pillar of fire between Pharaoh's soldiers and the children of God. And God told Moses, do not touch the water with your flesh. Why would he say that? What's the big deal? He said, don't let the people touch the water with their flesh. The greatest violation of the new covenant is mixing flesh with spirit. Because you ultimately end up saying, my fleshly deeds are the act of the spirit. Thus you get cults. The emergent church. The flesh is never to touch the living water. It needs to be crucified. It needs to be put to death. And so God is saying, do not let the people touch that water with their flesh. So Moses put a commandment out there, do not touch the water with your flesh. Do you know how many people were up against that lake, that, that sea? Over three million. How in the world did that message get all the way through those people so none of them ran up to the water and go, well, I'm going to touch, touch the water with my flesh. The patriarchs. The fathers. When the leader speaks, it rolls down through all those tribes and gets to all the children and everyone immediately says, do not touch the water with your flesh. Back then, if children defied their parents... Anyone not want to know what happened to them? They were stoned. Well, we don't have any of those fears anymore. Now we have children go, well, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to just go over there and touch the water. That moment, you guys got to understand this, that moment is so incredibly significant on how much God kept the family of God intact by the simple order of fathers and patriarchs lighting the way for their children generation after generation after generation. That when Moses spoke, each of the patriarchs spoke, the fathers spoke, the eldest son spoke to the other kids there and then tell everyone got the message, don't touch the water with your flesh. It doesn't work anymore. Most kids shoot their parents today. If you haven't noticed on the news. Or they at least dishonor them and say, whatever, it's called back talk. 
We don't have this level of respect anymore. It's gone. That's why the choice few children who are truly dedicated to the Lord, we need to take this seriously and lighting the pathway of obedience. Because Jesus himself said, I learned to obey through the things that I suffered. Jesus Christ himself had to learn the perfect art of obedience. That's Jesus Christ, the God that you serve. Not our children today. We let them decide on their own timing when they submit. God records every act of disobedience, as you know. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. Every single word. Looking at your mama and going, no. It's recorded. And it has consequences. Can you be forgiven of them? Of course you can. That's why Jesus was sent to us. But it doesn't chase away the fact that we must learn this lesson. They also need to reduce the complexity of marriage. You don't want their children growing up going, what is wrong with my mother and father? Why is my father at 45 years of age having this need to drive around a sports car? Why is my... Children should not be asking those questions. They should be in line flowing with the movement of patriarchy. They need to provide the passageway of the firstborn blessing of God. You might think that this Old Testament concept of firstborn blessing is not that big a deal anymore. But I think when you and I get to heaven... I think we're going to find it to be the basis of everything. I have a Savior because of this truth. So when I take on a spiritual son, for example, that's what Rob is, it's full on till death parts. Never let up. Always correcting. Always encouraging. Never letting up on making sure he understands that pathway. Unless God says, cease for a moment. Well, that means he's got to go wayward for a while. And yes, parents have to do that once in a while. And that's the story of the prodigal son. But that father was out there every single day looking on the horizon for his son to return. Because he wanted to reenact his role as a father so that he could have his role as a son functioning as the firstborn blessing again. Introduces family, faith, and guidelines, uh, tribe or family, Hebrew words tribe. Encourages the family with God's promises. Reveals God's will. Leads in prayer in all family or tribal. Tribal family could be just my wife and my children. Tribe is my parents. Every offspring that goes every what direction under that patriarch. So as a patriarch, they have the responsibility to care for the whole tribe as well as encourage individual fathers over their families. That's how that works. To lead in circumcision. Circumcision is to cut off excess flesh. Excess flesh in the New Testament is to cut off decisions that are not of the Spirit. To be named after, to carry on memories of spiritual heritage. 
I believe every name is anointed by God, even the good ones, I mean, even the bad ones. When I, when I look at Jeremiah, I think of Jeremiah. I think of a commissioning that comes with Jeremiah. I even had a sense of a commissioning with Jeremiah as he was in our, our sorting class, in the Hebrew class. I knew there, there was something, something special there. And it's not my job to really figure it out. It's the parents. But there, I, I knew there was something special there with his name. Guys, what's the first thing we did the first three weeks of our class? Try to find out what your names are and what they mean. Then I hear a story from mom this morning of some actual unctions that God gave her in regard to Jeremy. You see... That is significant because that is to carry with him all the days of his life. You were sharing with me, you even held him as a baby and God was telling you some things about your son. You see, we, this, these names are not accident. Carrying on a name is so significant. You should not be caring if your mommy, daddy, brother, sister, cousins, aunts, or uncles are upset because you're using a certain name. If God tells you what the name should be, that's the name you should give your child. Names are very important to God. It's the foundation of identity. Has a special relationship and connection with God. That would be a duh. Is able to demonstrate personal relationship, knowledge, of God's promises and awareness that obedience to the will of God is the essence of true faith. Has the responsibility to transmit the manners, customs, and beliefs of his tribal lineage. If you raise a child up in the scriptures and you do not teach that child how to eat from a a plate with a fork, you have done God no service. Because their rudeness, their corrupted manners, will destroy their faith. And that's why manners, customs, and doctrines all have to be taught at the same time. Use your fork, honey. Here's how you use your fork. Put your napkin in your lap. Those are all disciplines that are used so that it will be transferred and translated to disciplines spiritually someday. The way you fold your napkin is the way you fold the doctrine. That is what is entrusted in little things is how you will handle the much. Manners, customs, and doctrines. Has the right to succeed adoptions in cases of incompetence, uh, prodigal vacancy, kid runs from home, no birth son, in which case he could uh, adopt a slave, a relative, a son by marriage, or a free-born man. In other words, picking a young man who is not a part of your tribe. The importance is the patriarch must always have a successor at all times. And I do. Sets up biblical eldership in the New Testament. This is how the church is supposed to go on to the next generation. Churches without elders are emergent churches. It's the only way to say it. There's no leadership for God to tap into to light the pathways for that church. 
in that community. Okay, quickly. Someone throw out a description of their father when you were 11 years of age. Hardworking? Strong. Integrity? So, Shannon, you and I, be a far stretch for us to find that at 11, right? Wasn't your dad struggling a lot when you were 11? So, for a lot of us, that's very difficult to be able to look at our fathers and find integrity and honesty and love. All these adjectives that describe God. Shannon is the man that he is today because he has been wounded and hurt and suffered. And he has a level of obedience in his life today because he has learned from those sufferings. Thus, that generation has been turned around and I consider Shannon, for example, to be a dynamic father. Perfect? No. Dynamic? Yes. Receiving of the Lord? Yes. Fathers have the ability to destroy the next generation. That's true. But God has the power to redeem it. To restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Even if the fathers go to their graves stubborn. You can be freed of that so that you can pass down to your children a brand new heritage. This is our passage that we read earlier. And I want to show you something about this passage that is very practical. If you go and study the numeric values that are in the the Hebrew scriptures, you're going to find something rather interesting. I'm just going to show you a few generations. But I'm telling you today that you cannot prove me wrong on this. You cannot. God overlaps generations For a particular purpose. From the day that Adam was created. To Noah. You have an overlap. That Noah being born. Was so close. To the time when Adam. Quite a few generations before him. Was exiting. You see, if if Satan somehow can destroy honor between father and son and father and son and father and son and father and son and father and son, you're going to get down to a generation where the the people aren't even going to care about honoring all established authority, Romans 13. You just won't. You will insult the design of of generational blessings by not honoring the overlapping design of patriarchy. You see, because it takes Adam talking to Seth. And if you remember correctly, as soon as Adam chose to do this to God, I'm going to eat from that tree anyway. His children rose up and he had one who honored the Lord and he had another one who was constantly jealous, competing. The sin of competition is born in Cain. I will never, until I go to my grave and thereafter, support competition in Christianity. It is not God. 
As Pastor Walt said to me one day that I was not very encouraged and living a life of encouragement, he said, stop competing with your adversary. And it pierced my soul. God is not a God of competition. But Cain was jealous and he wanted to be a little cut above his brother. And his brother was just doing what God told him to do through his daddy. And Cain's like, no, it's not good enough. And what happened? The jealous one always becomes the one who murders. He kills his brother. First generation off the line. Murder. Killing his brother. Why? Over jealousy and competition of a sacrifice. Hasn't stopped, folks. I see it in families. You see it in families. I've seen it in my own family. It hasn't stopped. The only way to stop it is by honoring established authority. He who opposes these established authority opposes the ordinances of God. The pure bloodline of Noah, thus the pure bloodline of Seth, there's a lot of good things said about him, and comes from the pure bloodline of the redemption of Adam through sacrifice. They get off the boat. Noah gets a little tipsy in his tent. Had a little too many grapes. One son comes in and violates seeing a father without being covered. And what happened? Guys, I'm telling you, if you understood the pictorial Hebrew of covering, you would get that picture that fast. He uncovered his father's authority. And the other two sons backed in with the blanket, and the blanket even in Hebrew is symbolic of a covering of a father. It's a covering, it's protection. They back in with their eyes closed and they lay this covering back over their father. They cover his authority even though his father, their father made a mistake. Sin by getting drunk. That is a child of honor. Not disrobing. Because that is the original sin committed in God's domain. Is Satan took his pinions, which are wings opinions is to reveal Satan took his wings and pulled back from God he took the blanket off of God and that's where opinion the word opinion comes from to reveal myself like a bolt of lightning he fell from heaven same thing with Noah when he woke up he was trained never ever reveal your father Never, ever reveal your father. If he sins, if he makes mistakes, you pray for him. You encourage him. You help him. You help provide the way when his pathway is dark. Here you have it in practical sense. Here's Adam, Seth, Noah, Shem. And it works its way all the way down through the twelve patriarchs. You have the sons of Isaac. And you have the sons of Ishmael. I can take this all the way into the book of Revelation and show you the final battle in the battle of Armageddon in that valley 
where the blood's going to be up to what? The bridles. is going to be between two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Jealousy is going to destroy the world. Competition is going to destroy the world. I'm telling you, it's in the Scriptures. These two have been at each other's throats since the day that Ishmael was tossed out of the kingdom of Abraham. What does all that mean? Well, in closure I want to say this. God is not trying to put things back in order. He is putting things back in order. And it starts with your family, your household. God the Father is God. It says He is all and in all and is the Word of God. Jesus, John 8.28 tells us that the Word literally, He became the Word to dwell among us. Holy Spirit says He speaks and brings to remembrance the words of Jesus. Well, the words of Jesus are the words of God. The Word is stated by a patriarch. The Son is to become that Word, not to fight it or compete against it. Then the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the words of Jesus, the firstborn. Then the patriarchs on the earth are supposed to bring to remembrance the words of the Holy Spirit. But the government leaders are supposed to bring order to what the patriarchs say. Government. So the fathers can rule and lead their families in health of the Word of God. I just described for you the new earth. And if you think that the new earth is going to be a bunch of wandering, emergent Christians that don't need to submit to authority or kings of nations, you're not reading your Bible. Because it says there will be kings of nations, rulers of nations, and doorkeepers, brick polishers. God is establishing, realigning order, and only a certain group of patriarchs, fathers, are going to get what I'm talking about this morning. The rest are going to scatter their flock. They're going to scatter their generations because they hate order. They hate being told what to do. Goes from the father now to his wife. He's to wash his wife with the word. If you don't wash a woman with the word, she's going to preach the word to you to try to wash you. So lazy husbands, the first sign I hunt for is who's doing the washing in the house with the word. She is to take this to the children and literally show the children how to live it out. It's a tough job. So the dog will obey. It's rare today to find fathers who cling to pure doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. David was God's bond slave set aside for divine purpose. God carries the man away from following sheep, peers or subordinates, to be a patriarch slash father and controller over God's people so that God can rule what belongs to him. If you think we have to submit to our bosses and our pastors and our elders or our husbands because it's the right thing to do, we lose. 
We are to create order so God can speak to the people. You get rid of chaos so people's minds relax. So God can speak to the people. Not me. Not the Father. Not the Patriarch. It's so God can manage His people. So Satan's in there scattering people. Scattering them all over the place so there's no order. Chaos means the lack of structural order. That's all it is. It's one of the 13 names of Satan. He creates chaos. There's a snake around your leg. He wants you to have just enough freedom to think you're free. You're not. If you're not honoring established authority. You're not. Scriptures are very clear on that. Finally, the patriarch father has been a directional light for biblical fathers. Pathways since he, David, or you, were a young lad. He, God, wars against all those who hate or are hostile toward biblical fathers. He, the great patriarch, would make all his elect father, elders, and patriarchs much like the patriarchs of the descendants of Shem, and he will give their families great wisdom. These children we've dedicated today, I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ that they receive the wisdom from on high. But you better provide the structure and the order for your children to be manageable by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ, so God the Father can receive all the glory as the ultimate patriarch. A man who's able to pierce through the weaknesses of man and honor God, Jesus Christ, who lives in the man. That shall be recorded in the book of life forever and ever and ever. That kind of wisdom is rare. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself and a pile of shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.